Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Chad here with Iraq Veteran 8888. And today we've got another gun gripe episode for you. This one is a bit of a doozy and it's something that Chad and I have been talking about for quite a long time. And this one's called Dumb Range Rules. All right. Now it goes without saying that obviously when it comes to running a range, safety is utmost importance, right? You know, you don't want people doing dumb things, but there are a lot of rules that are absolutely stupid. And we're going to talk about some of those here. Uh, before we get started, I would like to thank our friends at Sonoran Desert Institute for supporting today's video. If you're looking for a career in gunsmithing technology, or if you want to learn about reloading, they've got some awesome programs, wonderful instructors. It's all distance learning. they got some great financial incentives. So if you're looking for that boost to get you into the firearms industry, look no further. Sonoran Desert Institute, SDI. Tell them we sent you. And a big thanks to them for being a... Uh, a patron of our channel. So let's get into this. Chad, where are you? Oh, oh, there well, he is. <laughs> I was going to let y'all think I wasn't here. <sighs> All right. The, 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 this gripe has been stewing for a while. Like this one's kind of been in the pot, kind of just, you know, sort of, sort of simmering. Well, this is one of them soups you got to simmer all winter long. You know, you yeah. don't get to enjoy it until like January. That's right. So. Well, and, and I guess we could say that this soup has been simmering for years because oh, yeah. it's like the more ranges you go to, the more of these most random rules you come up with. And it's like, what are they thinking? You know, and and it's, it's like a FUD environment where like, I think that's a lot what it comes down mm -hmm. to. It's like fuddery, fuddery <laughs> that we're going to be discussing is range fuddery, I suppose. So what are probably right. some of the most like, you know. The worst culprits that we see. The All most right, common so culprits. The most common and the worst ones are like no rapid fire. You know, like one round per second. And you've got dude, you got like the FUD RO back there, or like the the volunteer RO with a stopwatch out, you know? Like <laughs> and it's clicker. Hey you and you'll come over there. You're shooting too fast. You need to slow it down. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. no machine guns. Yeah. So like no <laughs> rapid fire, no machine guns. Let's see what's what's another one. So like one of the un, the the unwritten rules is is one that is just is literally in the the ear of the beholder. Like, "Sonny, Sonny, that gun is just too darn loud. You can't shoot that here." Right? Yeah. All right, that's one. Yeah, no 50s. Oh yeah. Yeah, no fifty cals. I mean, look, like sometimes, <laughs> like I mean, if the berm ain't big enough, I mean, like most of these public ranges and private ranges, you know, you, you pay to play or whatever. You go to a public range, they have huge, like twelve, fifteen foot berms or whatever. I mean, it'd be plenty safe to shoot a fifty there, but they don't want a fifty being shot there for liability. Yeah, or maybe know. the neighbors complain about because it's so freaking loud that maybe they've gotten complaints from people that live in the area. So there is that. That one point to kind of think of too. One of the common ones, the range rules that gets me all the time is, oh, no steel, no steel case ammunition because it'll it'll uh, it'll shoot through you know the backstop or whatever. It'll shoot, it'll through, shoot through the berm. It'll shoot through the berm, <laughs> and you know, oh, well, we don't allow steel case ammunition. But but really, what what they're getting at is they're they're talking about steel core projectiles, right? What they really mean is like they may not want you shooting an SS one hundred nine projectile in an indoor range because it might really mess up the backstop or potentially get through some of the, the backers. So a lot of times if they have some of those short range backers, they'll have like this heavy rubber on them. 
And if that projectile gets through that rubber, it can potentially damage the metal bracket that holds that rubber in place. So some indoor ranges don't want you shooting steel core projectiles, but that gets futterized Mm -hmm. into steel Steel case. case. And they go, oh, you got that wolf steel case ammo. Oh, you can't shoot steel case in here. It'll shoot through the wall. It's like, they do what what they do is they assume what that, in the heck <laughs> yeah so they assume that all steel cased ammo has a magnetic core so like they'll take a magnet to it and even if even if the magnet doesn't stick to the projectile itself they're still getting a pull from the case and they say oh no you can't shoot that here like sir this is this is newly produced lead core ammunition like, no, you still can't shoot it here. And then it's, it's another one of those like, hey, well, I'm just the volunteer RO and I'm the boss of this range. I'm going to tell you you can't shoot here. Like, whatever. Come on, man. Jeez. It It is frustrating. And, you know, I've been on ranges before where they go, you can't pick up brass. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, so wait a minute. You, you mean to tell me that I, I just shot my 50, 50 Desert Eagle? And I can't pick up my own brass that I brought in here, you know. And I and I I've had to shoot at indoor ranges before, and I've had people indoor ranges tell me you can't pick up brass. Like, well, this is my brass. Like, I brought it. Like, it belongs to me. Just because it wound up on your floor doesn't mean it still doesn't belong to me. Now, a lot of indoor ranges don't care, but a lot of indoor ranges they sell the brass back to the ammo companies, and then those ammo companies will give them a break on like refurbished and reloaded ammo based on the components that they turn back in. And they'll recycle. And then they'll recycle it, and they sell the lead out of the lead trap. So they'll sell the lead. They'll sell. Um, the uh, the brass and everything like that, and then the reloading company will take them all back and reload them, and then they get a break on buying those range rounds that they then turn around and sell to you for whatever they can get out. So they're they're maximizing their profits by making sure that brass stays on on the floor. So from a business perspective, I can understand why they would do that, but like, come on, man! Like if it if if someone cares enough to want to pick up their brass, it shouldn't freaking matter. It just yeah. makes it unfun when someone's going to sit there and tell you you can't pick up your own dang brass that you brought with you. Like, it's your ammo. Like, it belongs to you. So, like, I've seen some ranges where they say, okay, if brass hits the ground or hits the floor, it's theirs. So, you come in, you use a, a brass catcher, right? So, there's some very reliable ones on the market. I've I've used some over the years that were pieces of crap, but they do catch the brass pretty well, and you can dump it in a pouch and take it with you. Um, but the ones that kill me are the ones that say, well, if you come in here with ammunition, it doesn't matter if you caught it, the brass belongs to us. I'm like, that's that's horse crap. Yeah. You know, that's happened on one occasion. I'm like, you're out of your mind. And But the other thing is like, okay, you go to a, a particular range, uh, especially indoor ranges, of course, and – they only allow you to use their ammunition. You have to purchase their ammo. You can't bring your own. I've seen that. Before. That's a pretty strict rule there. But maybe they got burned before on people bringing their own ammo, and they had a, a liability thing with it shooting through the wall or something, or I mean, or guns blowing up and hurting people. You know, with hand loads like bad hand loads, sure. right? Or mixing up ammunition or something. Whatever the case is. I mean, I can understand it to a certain degree, but it's like. Man, that's that's pretty draconian. It could be a know? potential point of liability. I mean, if someone brings some faulty hand loads in and, and tries to, I don't know, run a gun, and then the gun blows up and hurts mm-hmm. a, a bystander in the range who's a, just another customer, then that could be an issue. Well, look. Uh, you know, and then look at some of the situations where, um, you know, like maybe an indoor range does allow machine gun rentals, mm-hmm. and look at that uh, that poor young girl 
that I think shot her dad in, in the head with an Uzi because it got out of control or whatever. So there is an issue of safety. So I can sort of understand that mm. to some degree. And then also, I'm sure many of you have seen all of the endless videos that have floated around of people shooting the ceiling in the range. So you notice when you're in an indoor range, you'll see these angled pieces of steel that work their way back. And that's to make sure that an errant round doesn't make it through the roof, right? We were just at a, a range. We were at XCAL uh, about a month ago. And when we went to XCAL, right, you've got a lounge upstairs, a piano bar and people, you know, drinking martinis and eating fancy food. I mean, could you imagine a, a round escaping through the ceiling and making it into the piano bar or something? Mm-hmm. So you, you, I could understand if someone is being a dummy and shooting the freaking ceiling in the indoor range where an RO would be like, look, dude, you've. You need to either fix your problem or get off my range. So Look, there, there, there is that point of contention. We witnessed several people shooting the ceiling. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's a little, little cringe. It you is. Know? It is. <laughs> but like, I mean, it was a brand new state of the art facility. And, you know, <laughs> here I am. I'm changing out targets for people. It's like, hey, man, can I get a fresh target? I'm like, sure. And I'm looking at the target hanger. I'm like, Ooh. Yeah, some <laughs> yeah, rounds getting, getting kind of dangerously too. high. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that in jest, we're kind of picking fun at some of these stupid rules. But look, we also have to remember that if you're running an indoor range, you know, there's a lot of liability mm-hmm. and, you know, you don't want, and this is primarily indoor ranges, but I've seen the same situation happen with outdoor ranges too. Um, I'm not going to mention the particular range, but there was one range that I was at where the guy that was there was like, all right, um, I want to see you verify your, your gun at a hundred yards on the steel. And if your first shot out to 400 or 500 yards doesn't hit the steel, you can't shoot that far. It's like, I want to see you dial in the dope. I want to see whatever your data is. Like he was very meticulous about making sure that the shooter was actually going to hit the target. You know, he didn't want people out there taking a gun and trying to walk the rounds in or or maybe you're trying to do a a confirmation at long range. Like when you're going to confirm a dope table, a dope card, and you want to make sure that 500 yard zero is like spot on, you want to true in your zero. This guy is like, well, if you're not on the steel, you can't shoot there. Even though there's a huge berm where the piece of steel is, it's like that might just that might be taken a little far. I mean, now if someone's way off, I could understand, but. I think that there is a certain point, Chad, where, you know, if you have an outdoor range and you've got steel out to various distances, you still need to have like a humongous berm at every distance. Like you, you, you don't need to, you shouldn't be so reliant on someone hitting the steel that that's like the only way you have to make sure that round doesn't leave the property or leave that area. Like mm-hmm. you need to factor in for the occasional weak round that might have dropped a little short. Or maybe someone had a hand load with a little bit too less powder and it dropped a, a 30 feet short. Or maybe, you know, something happened. Or maybe they dialed the scope a little bit wrong as a human error and the round hit a couple of feet high or something. Or the wind carried it a, f- a couple of feet at long range. Like, you've got to factor in those little indiscrepancies that are human errors that are, you know, maybe the scope mount's loose. Maybe the suppressor walked off a bit. Maybe the muzzle device is loose. Maybe, you know, whatever, right? Maybe the action screws on the gun are loose and it's causing the round to hit where it's not supposed to hit. So I could understand the person saying, well, if you're not on the steel, you can't shoot here. But how are you going to correct the problem if you can't have a little bit of leeway to kind of know what's going on? Yeah, I mean, there needs to be a little bit of brevity. Like, hey, I mean, I just bore shot at this gun. Like, what am I supposed to do, you know? Like, I need to confirm it at 100 yards. You got a giant berm. You got a target. No reason why you can't watch my video on one shot zero. 
ding. <laughs> and, uh, you know, get your gun side in just a few, few rounds, you know, at least reasonably well. I mean, we've, we've done that at the range, like shooting some of the guns with Oscar and all with the GRS stocks and all on them. Like these guns come out of the box and they just had a scope mounted on them and we're just going out there and I'm looking down the barrel and bore sighting this thing and we'll fire a shot and get it on a hundred and then dial it up, fire another shot. I'm like, oh, okay, we're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but and sometimes it's just that easy. Yeah. You need like at <clears throat> least a couple of dang shots. Like, man, what an arbitrary dang rule. Like now you get one shot and hit that steel. Now you don't hit it. You can't shoot here, boy. It's Go. unfun. I mean, like, okay. Come on look. back home now. Range rules that that absolutely play into safety. Okay, I can understand. You want people being safe. I'm not saying that people should not be safe, but it does get to a point where, like, I think maybe you know you could scare off some of the new shooters that are like maybe they're not used to that level. It's 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 almost like the homeowners association of ranges, where like you go into some <laughs> places and everything is just so regimented and strict. That it's not freaking fun. You don't even want to be there. It's a toxic environment. And you're just like, you know what? I think I'd rather just go find some land to shoot. I'd do something, mm-hmm. anything but this, right? <laughs> and I have been to some indoor ranges that are so unfun. This is like, you know what? Uh, uh, just rather go somewhere else, you know? Range dress codes. Yeah, well, you know, I hey, mean, right, a so, hot piece of brass goes down your shirt, you know? Um. So there's that. Um. All right, so I've, I've heard of these... I've heard of these rules, and I, I mean, look, it's it's from the internet, okay? I've I've read about these before, but like stupid stuff, like, all right, you can't wear, <laughs> you can't wear a gun in a holster, but you can wear mag pouches, stuff like that, mm-hmm. or like, or no I, drawing, no yeah, practicing, oh drawing. yeah, yeah, no no drawing and shooting, whatnot, you know. Uh, what was the other one? There was one that was real specific to the SKS at one point that I was like, what in the world? Like, oh, if you bring an SKS to the range, you can't shoot more than two rounds at a time because it'll go full auto. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like at, what? At, at, one, at one point, there was a lot of those Yugoslavian M59 slash 66 rifles coming in the country. They're completely caked in cosplaying. And there for a while, people were getting them in and just kind of doing a really basic cleaning and not taking the bolt apart. On the outside. On yeah. the outside. <laughs> but then the inside would be gooped in cosmoline. And if there was enough cosmoline in there, it could cause the bolt to, or the, 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 the firing pin to stick forward enough to potentially, <laughs> possibly cause a second round to go off once it strips out of the magazine. And there for a while, people were thinking, oh, the SKS is dangerous and yep. it's not a safe gun. And I don't okay. care how clean it is. And there was a point, I remember, when you would go to indoor range with an SKS and they go, oh, pull it apart and show me the bolt isn't all messed up and all. I want to see, you know, and they were really weird about it. But it was just basically because people weren't cleaning them of all the cosmoline properly. So yeah, that that's a thing. um yes ATF. I'd like to register this Cosmoline as a filato, please. <laughs> uh, excuse me. So, uh, yeah, let me send a letter to the ATF. I'm gonna ask about this. You know, it, that's another thing about especially indoor ranges. I, I, I hate to pick on indoor right. ranges. I've got one more when you but, get done. But but this is one of those really random ones that that I've seen in indoor ranges so many times. Right, you come in, you break out a machine gun, mm-hmm. right, and what happens? Okay, some range FUD comes over. Oh, let me see your paperwork. Yep. I have to make sure that's a real machine gun. Or, oh, you have, that appears to be an SBR. Can I see your paperwork? Like, they go and request your paperwork. Like, there's some sort of, you know, officer. Like, they can request it, you know? And it's just like, 
No, dude. No. I don't have to give you that information. You know, it's just random. I mean, like, obviously, people have their paperwork, It's but it's just like they want to have their nose in people's business. I know. You know, or they go, well, we don't allow machine guns here. You can't shoot that here. I mean, even if you break out an SBR or something, and or even something suppressed, you know, like they want to see your paperwork. I've had people... I've had people at the public outdoor range when I shot there forever ago with a buddy of mine ask me for my paperwork on a suppressor. I'm like, no, I'm like I'm not showing you my paperwork. And legally speaking, the only person who can legally request your paperwork is an ATF field agent in your area. Like, you know, or an ATF agent in general, but typically they'd come from the nearest field office and they can request your paperwork. You don't even have to show your paperwork to law enforcement if you get pulled over and they ask for it. Technically, I think it's one of those things where most people just do it. Just they, to, they do, but look, just te- to technically speaking, shut them up. a cop can ask you for your NFA paperwork or whatever, and if you don't show it to them, they're going to call the field office, and they're going to detain you while the field agent gets down there, and it could be two or three hours, and then they ask you for your paperwork, and you are e- legally obligated to show it to them, and then everybody goes about their business. But like a range fud, like, I'm going to show your paperwork on that. I'll make sure that I don't like them suppressors. You yeah. know, and then they want to interject their uh, inject their opinion into everything. Yeah. Why it's do like, you need that? Why do you need that type of gun? You know? <laughs> like, dude, man, these people, like, dude, these people are cringe, man. Like, they're meme worthy. I know. And what's what sucks about it is there's a lot of new gun owners that, that go in into these environments and they think that that's how gun, all gun owners are, you know, when they run into all these FUDs. And, and look, I'm not picking on indoor ranges too much. I mean, look, there's some indoor ranges that are great. Like when we went to XCAL, it was a great experience. Like they treat us really good. And I've been to some indoor ranges that are state of the art and they're a lot of fun. I've, I've even been to indoor ranges where they do IPSC training and IDPA training and stuff on certain days of the week. They'll block off that range area and then they'll have their uh, people come in and do it. And it's always been great. I've never had a single problem. Everybody was safe. We all looked out for each other and it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. So th- those are all going to be outlying situations. Those aren't, uh, those are exceptions, not necessarily the rules. But just know that these are some of those kind of weird draconian rules that you're going to see floating around mm-hmm. out there for sure. There's probably more, but I mean, just for the you know for the purpose of this video, I think we've we've hit on all the high points. But I want to hear from the viewers, like, what are some crazy freaking rules that y'all have seen or heard of down below? Yeah, like. <laughs> so maybe we'll revisit this gun gripe and we'll go through some of your rules that you've seen at some of your indoor ranges that, well, especially indoor ranges, but outdoor or indoor range that you think, wow, that is a stupid freaking rule. Like that's a cringe rule. Mm. So let us know what are some of the dumbest rules you've ever seen at a range. And uh, maybe we'll revisit this video, but mm. big thanks everybody. Appreciate you tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed today's video. Many more on the way. We've got so many awesome things going on. Make sure you click that notification bell and subscribe so you're getting all of our content. No, guys, Chad isn't dead. He's here. We've got a lot of awesome things we can't wait to share with you guys. So Mm. I really appreciate it. Many more on the way. And we'll see you soon. Well, look, I am a little bit over my time. i got to get back to the mental asylum. Uh, (laughs) Ah.